Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and you're about to hear a story that started with the simple act of giving back to others. State Bags has evolved many times, and founder Jack Tatelman is the first to admit that when they started, she didn't know what the hell they were doing. Let's be honest, how many of us actually do? As the co-founder, chief executive officer, and creative director of State Bags, a mission-driven family bag company offering high-quality backpacks, bags, and more for the whole family, Jack Tatelman is responsible for the creative vision, business development, and growth of the brand. If today's conversation inspires you, I want you to please share it with a friend or share it on social media. Tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder. I will absolutely come say hi. Leave us a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of these conversations we have here, they're so amazing and it's important for more people to hear them. When you do these little things like rate and review the show or share them, it helps us to get discovered. It helps us to spread the knowledge and the wisdom that we share here every week. And it helps our community to grow. But most important, it helps our mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. I know you have so many options for listening when it comes to podcasts. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Founded alongside husband Scott in 2013, State was born out of the duo's direct work with disenfranchised youth and the need to provide even the smallest gift of confidence, like a new backpack for the school year. Each year, State allocates a portion of the company's total revenue towards these efforts that help American families and children in the ways that they need it most. I am so excited for you to meet today's founder. So without further ado, please come on in to meet and hear the amazing story of State Bags from the incredible Jack Tatelman. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today on the the podcast, I have someone who you definitely recognize her products from many of the places in which you shop. Her brand is State. It is a family-focused bag company. And I'm so excited for her to talk a little bit more about it. But Jack Tatelman, who is the co-founder, CEO, and creative director of State is here. And she is going to share her story with us. So welcome, Jack. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. And so I would love for you to start us off by telling us your story and how you got to where you are today. I would love to. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, um, aside from my children. Um, Well, this is actually my first baby, so I really do love to talk about state. (laughs) Um, So really to like understand state, you have to go back to um, kind of like when my husband and I first met. When we first met, my husband 
founded a non and I alongside him founded a nonprofit summer camp for inner city kids from um, Bed-Stuy, East New York, Red Hook. We serve a few neighborhoods in the Bronx. So the camp is about was about 13 years old. This was about 13 years ago. And one of the unfortunate themes that we were seeing the first couple of years of the kids coming to camp were that they were carrying their stuff in ripped trash bags, plastic bags with holes in it. Um, and we knew that this was the stuff that they were taking with them for a week away from home. And so it was really heartbreaking to see that that's kind of how they were carrying their possessions. Um, and at the same time, they were coming to camp and they were experiencing all these unbelievable things like, you know, laying on their back and looking at the stars, playing tennis, like, you know, going tubing in a lake. And all of these things were kind of a culmination of why we started State. So at first it started as a one for one. So for every state product sold, we donated a backpack to American kids living in situations of need. And that was really taking care of that tangible thing that the kids needed to take with them. You know, they're living in foster care, transitional housing. Some of them have like a, are being raised by a sibling or a grandparent, all of these like very challenging situations. So we wanted to give them something tangible that was theirs, that was new, that they can carry their things in. And at the same time, we like the way that we built our give back program wasn't just like going into, you know, dropping a bunch of things off in like an after school program or a shelter. It was really about taking the magic and the essence of camp, which was really just the kids being able to be kids um, and bringing it into these different programs that we did, which was called our bag drop program. So we actually brought on some of the staff from the camp that we had started called Camp Power. And they are, so they're child development specialists who'd successfully risen from similar neighborhoods. And we would go into these after school programs or shelters or wherever there was a need, really. And we would do these amazing backdrop rallies where the pack men and pack women, which is what we call the, um, the staff that was leading it, um, would share some of their stories and they would get the kids to share their stories about what they carry in their bag and what that means. And it would really all culminate in a dance party and the kids getting new bags and stuffing it with what we call stuff from our supply shop, which is in-kind donations from like-minded brands. So kind snacks, Bomba socks, all that sort of stuff. And we knew that it wasn't like changing lives in any way, but it was really just planting a seed, which was very much what camp was all about, that it could be different for them. And they could look at these role models, you know, the pack men and pack women. And when they were in challenging circumstances, they could think about this moment where they saw these people who had done such great things and had really become role models in their lives. And they could like go back to that place and it could change their state of mind and realize that they could beat the statistics and get out of their neighborhoods and, and do the things that they saw, you know, the staff from camp and these pack men and pack women doing. So it was a really magical experience that we really felt like changed the game. Not only were we serving American kids, um, but we were doing it in such a way that I think was really unique and special to what was happening at the time. And we were like very proud of building that curriculum and building that, that program out. Since that time though, we've very much evolved, but I'll kind of go back also simultaneously to where we were with the business at that point in time. So we started off as a one-for-one. One. So for every backpack sold, we would donate a backpack. Um, and we started as simply a backpack company. Um, and we were really thinking that we were going to be for the whole family. But um, we really have like very much evolved from that as well. So we knew that obviously 
like people were going to come back for that product year over year, but that we had to expand and really become a family lifestyle background that can really serve the whole family and the family on the move. When you hear your story, it truly speaks volumes to the person you are. And, and I, and, and I don't even know you, but I can feel that from your story because one, I know what summer camp is. And I know that anyone who believes in summer camp, the way that you just described it, that like, I firmly believe that every child on earth should have and be able to experience the magic of summer camp. And like, that's what you gave so many kids. And so that like, when you like, I, and I, I just, I say this because everything that you just shared about your brand has really nothing to do with brand. You know, it has to do with you and it has to do with the mission behind what you're doing and what you want to accomplish. And so kudos to you because I, not many people would take that, take a mission like that and put it forward before they put their own needs forward. So I just, I want to say that. Thank you. I mean, that's actually very valid. We put the mission first before we put the product or even the structure of the business which was actually pretty problematic in a way um, because we believed so wholeheartedly in what we were doing. And we felt like that would be enough for people to really get to know the brand and to sell the product, because obviously the more we sell, the more we can give, but it actually doesn't work that way. Um, but that actually has not stopped us. Um, I always like to say, I mean, I'm a huge fish fan and there's like a, there's, that's a band. Fish. I know. No, okay. I know. <laughs> like, not like the food. Um, and, uh, like they always say, uh, there's like a part of it where they were like in the eighties and the early nineties or whatever, they were just like doing their thing and no one was paying attention. And it was like so fun and exhilarating for the fans and for the band. And I always say to Scott, I'm like, that's us. It's like, we don't need people to pay attention to what we're doing. Like we know we're doing this and we're having an amazing time doing it. Meaning we know we're making an impact. And if we just keep at it, that will be fulfilling enough for us. We'll build the business and that will be a huge focus. And which is why we sort of built ourselves into two different silos. Like Scott does the, all of the philanthropy and all the give back. And I run the business and do the product. But like we did that because it was like, all right, you need to continue doing what you're doing. We need to continue to give. We need to continue to evolve. And that's like. Because the mission fuels the company. Yes. Right. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Well, originally, yes. Yes. Okay. So let's, this is what I want to talk about. I want to go back to like when this was starting because I always tell my clients and I always talk on social media about how you have to have a, a good purposeful mission and you cannot compromise that mission. And when you put that mission first and you think about that mission in every decision you make, the business will essentially follow. And so I want you to talk about kind of when was that moment where you turned this from just a mission and you giving back into an actual business? Well, I think that's like a very, it's like a kind of like a, a long evolution, I would say, um, because we had a really rough go at first with so let's talk about that because I think that's really important for founders to hear. We had no idea what we were doing. Zero, zero idea what we were doing. We, we, like Scott had such a love for what we did with camp power and, you know, 
it was really just like us having a conversation and him saying like, I want to do something more. Like, I feel like I can turn this into a really like great business that would be, you know, both exciting, but also, and like, and a strong business, but also could really make a difference in the world, you know? Um, but, and so then we were like, let's do it. But neither one of us knew what we were doing at all. And so that's why we started with like, well, the mission will fuel everything. So the mission, like, again, we were doing what we are actually still doing, doing to this day, which is like, kind of like a whirly swirly kind of thing, because nothing we have ever done in state has ever had the the like press splash or like press focus that we'd ever hoped that would like literally turn the business, like make it a rocket ship. You know, none of the things that we have done have ever done that on the philanthropy side, which is shocking because we've partnered with some really unbelievable people. And you would think that partnering with Jessica Alba and Beyonce and President Obama's My Brother's Keeper and, and Chance the Rapper would like fuel the company to like crazy growth but it doesn't, it didn't for state, I should say. So we like literally sat down one day and said to ourselves, okay, we're going to focus on building a business that will very much live separately from the mission. So what is that going to take, right? Like we have to build a proper like foundation and structure and understand like what it means to run an e-commerce business, what it means to hold, run a wholesale business. What does it mean to build product for that? How do we build an infrastructure for that? And have that be like one like it's like separate, totally separate. And then the other thing is how do we do what we do best, whether or not it gets press, whether or not it actually does anything to fuel the business. So now when we talk to people, because our mission has evolved, not because of the business, but because of what we wanted to do on the philanthropy side, we're now for every state product sold, we donate to American families living in situations of need, but in the ways they need it most. So that is not a one for one anymore, meaning we can do so much more. Like Scott had done a project in Flint, Michigan, and he was talking to one of the educators, right? Flint, Michigan, yep. and one of the educators, and he and they were like, it's so lovely, like that you want to donate bags, but like, we don't need bags. We need people to know that Flint still does not have clean water. And so we have been able to, with the shift of the mission, do so much more like than just donating bags, like bringing all these marginalized populations into the forefront and talking about really tough social issues like Black Lives Matter and mass incarceration, like years ago, like in 2015, when no one was even talking about it. And what we try to say, or what we say, not try, is what we try to do. And what we say is that we don't necessarily go national for what we do on the philanthropy side. We look at very small pockets of communities and humans. And we say, how can we make their lives better? What can we do to actually change their lives? And so, for example, this past back to school, Scott ran what we call our first ever travel academy, which was taking eight kids from Brooklyn who had never left Brooklyn, never been on an airplane to California. And they did an entire Southern to Northern tour. And it was life-changing for eight kids. And for us, that's what we do. That is what we do. We have done it time and time again, and that's what we're good at. And we don't care that it doesn't get a splash in press. And we don't care that no one is paying attention. We are using the money from this incredible business that we have built to change people's lives. And that's what we focus on. So the business side and the actual brand side is a whole other animal that had to get built simultaneously. 
and it and it has it's become like its own engine if you like what you're hearing on the dear founder podcast please make sure you take out your phone scroll down yes please do it now and leave a five-star rating or write a review so that others can benefit from all of the amazing conversations that we're having right here Every time you leave a rating or write a review, it helps someone else discover Dear Founder and all of the incredible women that we feature here each and every week. Thank you so much for listening. So let's talk about where the business is today, because, you know, I know you said it was hard. You struggled and starting a company with a product is not easy. I mean, there's a lot of overhead. There's a, there's just a lot that goes into it. Like you just said, like figuring out e-commerce, wholesale, the product, the design, where to manufacture, all these things go into building a product. But where is the business today? Like let's share some success metrics. Oh, okay, great. I love to talk about the good stuff. Um, so we've grown so much, actually, I would like to say that like pre-pandemic is a different version of state. Throughout the course of state's life, we've been like, this is state 2.0, this is state 2.0, but really post-pandemic is state 2.0. So pre-pandemic, we really struggled to figure out who we were. We've had, we had a lot of like change in leadership. We had two like CEOs that both had a very different vision of what they wanted the company to be. And because Scott and I had never started a company before and didn't really know what we were doing, it was really challenging for us to get like a grip on the business. And we really looked to these leaders to kind of take control of the company and let us do what we do best. And I creative director and he on the give back. Um, But it really was very challenging, not knowing what we wanted the brand to be and who we were actually going after. But the brand and the product actually told us who we are. And then we really embraced it. So we are really like, we realized that the entry point for our customer is through kids. And we were trying very hard to be a fashion bag brand. So we were making, we were making four collections for like one for men, one for women and one for kids, like, like a fashion calendar for all, all from 2013 when we started until 2020, we were making so much product hot pink bags, bright orange bags. We were trying to like figure out like, you know, working with wholesale, like, you know, they wanted, like Nordstrom wanted this, Bloomingdale's wanted this. And we were making all this product and had no idea how to even like sell it on our e-commerce. So it was like just so much confusion. And then we realized where the entry point was, right? And we're like, okay, people come to us through kids. That is our value prop. We are taking this dinosaur product of backpacks that has been around for centuries, and we are giving it life. We are making it fun. When a child receives a state bag, they're like, oh, when parents see it, they're like, oh, my God, like this color combination, these sequins, this metallic, this, it's exciting. It's, it's totally different than what is out there on the market right now. And let's embrace that. Right. And so that was really like the, the, the the meat of what we knew state was. It was a kid's bag brand. But then how do you kind of serve the whole family, right? And like, what does a parent want from us? They don't want a hot pink backpack. You know, they don't want a a like teal leather, you know, messenger bag from us. They want to carry their Celine or their whatever, you know? And we don't need to like infringe on that. We should be the bag that they bring to the playground. We should bring the bag that they bring to the beach, the one that they throw on the airplane, the one that looks cool and is interesting and well thought out. 
but not precious. And so therein lies the concept of this family bag brand. So you don't come to us for, you know, a wild printed, you know, backpack, or you don't come to us for all these like fancy out to dinner bags. Like we really serve a very specific purpose for the adult and for the kids. Like, let's talk about all the ways they need bags. So in 2020, we decided that we were going to launch luggage for kids. And this was the turning point. So I went to China. I actually came up with the idea of luggage, like in my sleep one night, woke up because these were the days of like very high anxiety, waking up in the middle of the night, like panicked, uh-huh. made notes on my iPhone, like they were going to do this. Da, 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 da. And then two weeks later, I was on a plane to China, built the luggage collection. I was there for two weeks. I came, the luggage was literally looked like a lunchbox, like with nothing. By the end of the week, we built the most gorgeous luggage I had ever seen. And I was so unbelievably proud of, and we were going to launch it in March of 2020. Of course you were. March 14th. Of course you were. Of course, no one was going anywhere on March 14th. But anyway, we, so post-pandemic state, we launched our luggage collection. We launched back to school at the same time. And it's been a rocket ship since then, honestly. And now we have all of the bags that you could possibly need for your lifestyle, for your children, convertible bike scooter bags, harness fanny packs, backpacks, weekenders, all of the things that you would need. And the brand has become like the go-to family bag brand. And it's totally different. Well, congratulations. Because Thanks. like, I mean, it's amazing. And I want you to share also like, where are you sold outside of your e-commerce site? And and how many doors are you sold in? And like, give us some numbers. So we're in Maisonette, the Tot, uh, Crew Cuts, um, Bloomingdale's, Saks. Um, We are actually, we have um, a like diffusion line called State Lowercase that's uh, sold in 650 Target doors. and we're in a lot of really great specialty stores, which we really believe in mom and pop. We put a really big focus I on agree. that. Um, and I would say like at this point in time, 30% to 35% of our business is wholesale and the rest is all e-com. So how, like how, what do you think the catalyst was that, that turned you guys around to really take off like a rocket ship? Like, did it have, do you think it had to do with the pandemic? I mean, do you think that it, was it something that you did from a marketing standpoint? Like, what was it that w- that took you kind of like from here to here? I think it was like a really perfect storm. Like, number one, there was so much pent up demand for family to like move and get out there. And so they were like looking for luggage at that moment in time when we were first launching it. And it was such a unique look. So having this right product at the right time was was one thing. And the other part was pent up demand for back to school. So people were like, I'm going to buy my kid the best backpack ever because it's I can't wait to take that back to school picture and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we came to the forefront, but really We have the most unbelievable team. And one person that we brought on during the pandemic was our CMO. We met before the pandemic and we had never had a proper marketing person, never had marketed our product the right way since day one. We never really had a person in the seat who knew what they were doing and knew how to put us out there, um, like profitably put us out there. And so we brought Megan on in the pandemic and we started, you know, 
like talking about how we were going to reemerge because state, as you know, obviously we are, we're real people and we're very transparent about what we do. And we didn't market at all. We turned it all off during the pandemic because we're like, why would we tell people to go places when we're like, stay home, you know? That's not, we're not going to like hawk bags out there when people are, you know, like not going anywhere and we don't want them to. So we worked together to find out the right time to reemerge. And we reemerged with a, 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 like it happened simultaneously where Megan and I like kind of called each other. And I was like, listen, like I've been going back out there and I've been realizing how important my fanny pack is. Like I have my clean mask on one side. I have my dirty mask on the other. I had my kids stuff in another area. And like, we should reemerge with this bundle. And so we did, we reemerged with this bundle. And I feel like that sort of talking to our customer where they were, marketing ourselves for the first time in the right way, having the right product at the right time, it really just, it just changed everything. It was like literally flipping a switch. But I want to talk a little bit more than about the marketing because I, I truly believe that so many founders and so many brands don't market their products properly. Like they don't set aside a budget to do it. And I'm not saying you have to spend millions of dollars on advertising. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, there are so many ways to market a product. It doesn't have to be through paid ads, right? right. So what are some of the things that that you felt Megan has done and your team has done to really get you out of that pandemic mode and emerge in the proper way? But you know, we're beyond emergence now. So now we're kind of full swing, like moving ahead. So what are you guys doing from a marketing standpoint? Well, it was in the beginning, like when we first came out of everything, I would just say it was really just understanding how to work Facebook, Instagram, and Google, right? That was kind of like what we're we yeah. were really focused on. But again, like doing it profitably. So understanding, you know, is this actually like, are we making money on the first purchase? Like what's our ROAS, like return on ad spend? And what is the threshold? How do we know, like, you know, from a uh, like a cost down perspective, like where do we make money and where do we lose money to understand and what what products should we market actually because which products are rich in margin and all that sort of stuff. So that was a beginning exercise for what we did. Um, and we still do really focus on Facebook and Instagram, like Facebook as a whole and Google. Those are huge parts of, of how we market now. Again, profitably. The other part of it was really trying to work our organic channels. So we had been sending emails for years. And like, when I look back at the metrics, I'm like, we made like $3, like some emails, like we made no money, you know? And so really trying to build out that retention structure of email and our own organic channels. And then um, like building in SMS was a, a very big initiative that we went after in 2021 and in 2022. Um, that was definitely like understanding flows and how we talk to our customer, how we um, like bring in people who've never purchased, how we like, you know, kind of work the funnel. Um, that that was a huge part of like some of our wins. Um, and and a huge part of 2022 was like getting people in through the flows and then being able to work them you know, for back to school when, which is like our it's high time. It's so funny how many founders don't take advantage of the email list that they built, that they're building, you know? I mean, you just said like we ha- we were sending out emails, we weren't making money, but like you, when you have a product and people are buying your product, you are getting their email like automatically, which what, for a service-based business is not the case. That's, you know, it's a very different way that you 
get email addresses. And so for you to recognize that and understand that like, oh my God, we're probably sitting on a gold mine here with our email list is a very big aha moment for a founder, I think. It's, it was enormous. And I totally credit my, my team for that. Megan and Nicole, like they were, and, and the, um, the growth team that we work with, Growth Physics, um, it was really like a team effort in trying to figure out like, you know, like we, we actually looked at a, a, a top down, a top up, bottoms down, however they say it, um, model that our growth team had built. And they were like, look at this, look at the levers that we can pull, right? These are the different things that are out there. Look at this email statistic here. Like, look what we could do if we actually worked on the retention side. Like we could get us from here to here in one year's time. And like, that was honestly game changing, game changing. And so, I mean, I also think then for you guys, especially like like game changing would be the people that you surround yourself with. And you said that right off the bat when you were telling me a few minutes ago about your CEO and how you wanted to bring someone in to run the business because you wanted to focus on what you do best. And Scott wanted to focus on what he does best. And really and truly that's like, that's a big internal struggle. I think for a lot of founders is, is really giving, giving that up, you know, and giving up that, that, that part of the business and, and saying, Oh, I don't do that best, but I want someone else to do it. So like kudos to you for recognizing that, but you've also surrounded yourself with a lot of other people on your team. And so I'd love for you to touch upon the importance of that and the importance of making the right hires and like, learning from the people around you, because even when you're at the top, you have a lot to learn. Oh my God. Yes. No, you never stop learning. And you can, and, and like team is everything. Team is everything. We went through so much with our team throughout the course of state's life. Like Scott and I have always wanted to build a business where our team is like family. And I know a lot of people say that, and I believe that it, it, that a lot of people feel that way. I do believe that a lot of people look at their team as family and that that's like a really important stru- like structural, you know, thing to have in place is to make everybody feel, you know, like they're a part of something big. And we have gone through so much where the team has been so unhappy and not wanting to work for state and feeling like what the hell is going on here this was in the early days and it crushed us like that's when i say like state i say like a lot that state like almost killed me because i had so much stress on my plate pre pandemic and and you know with our other leaders like it was just so unbelievably stressful but the most stressful thing was the fact that the team just wasn't happy and now we have this team and a lot of them are from the founding team as well. And they've grown with us and they've stuck with us, which I am so unbelievably grateful for. But like, we literally put team first before ourselves, 100%. And our people, I believe, feel that and they know that and they feel so appreciated. And I believe that they would run through a wall for state. And that's like the most important thing. And they're all so smart and so good at what they do. And we let them fly, you know, like I am the CEO now, um, which has been a real shift in energy. Um, But like, I would be nowhere without our team, nowhere. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. How do you manage the role of CEO and creative director? Because those are two very different job descriptions, you know, and and also as a CEO, you know, you're really looking at the business business holistically. And I think a lot of a lot of founders have a hard time moving from like founder to CEO, right? Because they're even founder and CEO, there are two major differences there. But how do you manage the, these two roles that you carry? Because they're big jobs. Yeah, I mean, Scott is always like she's a freak. That's how. Um, like I, with our old, like with our old CEO also, who was awesome and did some really incredible things for the company. She always used to say to me, "I've never met someone who can have such a strong like right and left side of their brain and be able to like turn it on and turn it off so quickly and like and and like absorb all like at, like simultaneously." I don't know how I am that way, but. Like I grew up in a home where we talked about business all the time. And I'm like, when I'm listening to you, I'm a sponge. I will hear everything you say. I will remember it for the rest of my life. And I will like, you know, process it pretty quickly. Um, But I'm a a creative, like I love color and I love fashion. And I grew up, my mom had a clothing store my entire life. And I grew up like in a rack of clothing and I have such a passion and love for, you know, making something out of nothing. And then seeing someone walk by on the street, like, you know, wearing it. And it's like such a thrill and it brings like such a great feeling of community and all of that. And I, I get so much out of design and I have so much fun with it. And then at the same time, like I actually love business and I love solving problems. And I really like just enjoy both tremendously. And I think that because of that, I'm able to do both. Well, I was just going to say, do you feel, I mean, cause I often feel like I love what I do so much. And like, I, I did at bump club and, and I love what I do now. I mean, that's why I left. And like, I, I have a hard time turning it off because I love what I do and I'm always thinking about it. And, and, you know, and I, I definitely try, you know, when I'm with my kids and with my kids and, and I don't do work while I'm sitting with them, of course, but I'm always thinking about work and it's because I love it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, I, I, I love this brand so much. Like, again, I mean, I, I really do mean this. Like it, it, it destroyed me for a while, how much I loved it. I didn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was so stressed out about the success of the brand and 
making our team happy and being, you know, making it survive, like having it live on. I, I knew that it was going to be something so big if we just held on and I would never let go, even though people were like, let it go. And I was like, no, like, I love this so much. It's painful and I'll do anything for it. And so I am always thinking about it and I'm, and I'm, and I love it. Like I, I love being in it, you know, there's just, there's And, and it makes it a lot easier it make, to embrace all of these roles. And I like, that's, I sort of had a feeling you were going to answer the question like that, because when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. No, it's like, right. Yeah. It's unconditional love. <laughs> so when we started the conversation, we started by talking about your mission and how you had a mission first and you created a business from the mission, but now it is, seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to be that your business is really fueling your mission and your business is what's giving back to your mission. So I'd love for you to share kind of where you are in that regard. Cause we really, we, we, we focused a lot on the business in this, in that part of the conversation, but how is your business now fueling the give back portion? And I know you touched upon it, but I'd like for you to expand upon it and also where it's going. Yeah. So again, like we are, our focus as a brand is that we are now what we call ourselves a give forward brand. We're the give back company, but we like to say we give forward and that is because of the way that we give, again, is really focusing on small pockets of different communities and humans that we know that we can change their lives. So instead of it being just a true one for one where we would spend, you know, up front an enormous amount of money to buy backpacks to be able to give throughout the year, now there's a percentage of our revenue that fuels the give back. And Scott gets that budget in the beginning of the year. And he understands like based on our projections, like what he can spend quarterly. And he decides kind of how he's going to do that. Um, and so some of it will be allocated towards buying backpacks so that we always have that um, tangible thing to give um, because it's still very important for us. Because again, like we know that there are children living in foster care and transitional housing and all that who really do need this product. And so we still very much do that. But then Scott really looks at the year and kind of looks at like, what would be something that would be unique and impactful? Um, and that's kind of how the Travel Academy came to be. Again, when we were launching Luggage, he had an enormous budget that was going to be taking an in, like an entire class of kids internationally, which oh obviously happened because of the pandemic. So the Travel Academy was actually a pared down idea. Um, and to be honest, that really was the entire year's give back budget, in addition to some other little things that he did and the backpacks. So now what we try to do is like, again, knowing that like, we're not going to be a company at this point in time, that's going to be doing these enormous national activations. We really feel like it's important to bring the organizations that we work with to the forefront and have our community understand that like, we can be a resource for those types of things. So we get requests every day from like many requests every day. Like, do you have bags? Do you have this? Can we do this? Can you do that? And what Scott has started to do now is research all of those organizations. And actually just yesterday, he went on our Instagram and he shared, I think like 10 different organizations and what they do. 
and links and ways to support them. So that's something that doesn't impact our bottom line, our budget, but because we're a give forward brand and we believe that it's important to highlight all these organizations, that's kind of the, the, the way that we're moving forward is by big activations and things that we know that we can do within our budget and through all little ways that actually cost nothing, but really give our community the awareness and like the knowledge to know who they can work with, we vet them, and then how they can help and support. And that's part of serving your community. I mean, we talk about that here all the time is like, how do you show up and serve your community? Well, you're showing up and telling them how they can help others. And that's true to your mission and true to everything that you stand for as a brand, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I feel and like I, I, I love like kind of the evolution of your story because I mean, you've flat out said, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing when we first started, you know, and here you are and you really have it down pat now. And you should really be patting yourself on the back because it takes a lot to start a company. And then it also takes a lot to give back at the same time and to give back while making a profit. So kudos to both you and Scott for making this happen. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I actually sleep through the night now. <laughs> that's a, And that's amazing too. You talked in the beginning of our conversation, you made a comment, you said um, you used the words that you wanted to change the state of mind of the people that you were giving back to originally. Is that where the, the name of your brand comes from? Yeah, it comes from like changing the state of mind of the people that we serve and how they could, you know, beat the statistics and, you know, get out of their neighborhoods and and, you know, and grow and, and learn in a totally different way, but also to change the state of mind of the customer who very well can afford a brand new backpack or brand new luggage for their children year after year. Like that is bringing, that's like your, your purchase should mean something. Every purchase should mean something and state actually should shift your state of mind, but also it should start a conversation at home. Why did we choose state? This is your first backpack for kindergarten. Do you know why we chose state? And then they can start and share like what it means for them to actually carry the product. So changing the state of mind of both populations and also serving people in the United States. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I would love to wrap up the same way I wrap up with everyone. And that would be, can you provide three actionable tips for other founders who are just getting started, three things that they can and should be doing to get their companies or their businesses off the ground? Well, first and foremost, you have to find the thing that is going to, like, you have to love it so much, like that it will carry you through the lows. Like you have to believe in it, like envision what is it, what is it, what is it going to be? What do you know it's going to be? And like, really love it. That's like a must because the the journey is not even a roller coaster. It is like like a horrible like mission. Like it's terrible. Um, so you really need to love what you're going to do. The other is you must surround yourself with the with the right people, people that also believe in the vision that you trust, that you know are good at what they do. And I would say that the other thing is is like listen to all the advice, but choose what you actually put into action with the advice that people give you. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to give you, oh, you should do this. You should do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, listen, listen to everyone, have as many conversations as you can. And then you need to kind of sort out what you believe is right for you and your brand and take action on those things. 
Jack Tatelman, co-founder, CEO, and creative director of State. Thank you for being here and for sharing your story and your knowledge and your wisdom and your ups and downs. You are a true gem and I'm so excited to share this story. Thank you so much. Thank you. I told you that you would love today's story and I would make a bet that you did, didn't you? There were so many amazing takeaways from Jack and her honest truth about starting a business and how hard it is. I love that she didn't sugarcoat it and I love that she was real in the way that she explained how state bags came to be. As always, I will be sending you these takeaways to everyone on my email list. So make sure that you subscribe. The link is in the show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week straight to your inbox, which will help you to grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, your mission will fuel everything. Number two, know your entry point and prioritize that when creating your product. Number three, talk to your customers where they are, market your business in the right way and have the right product at the right time. When you do this, it's like flipping a switch. Number four, find the thing that you love so much it will carry you through the lows. The journey as an entrepreneur is a roller coaster and it can honestly be terrible. You have to love what you're going to do. And number five, listen to all of the advice, but choose what you put into action. You can't listen to everyone and do everything, but you can listen to everyone. Have as many conversations as you can and then sort out what you believe is right for you and your brand and take action on those things. If you like what you're hearing on Dear Found Her, we would so appreciate you leaving a rating or review when when you scroll down to the bottom of the podcast app. We have some incredible episodes coming up, so also please make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please make sure you share this episode with them. Text it to them or tag us in your Instagram. I'll be sure to share some of those to say thank you. But for now, stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.